This is day 52 of our daily Bible reading plan. We'll be completing 1 Samuel chapters 20 through 24. Lord God, thank you for meeting us this morning. Thank you for your grace, for your mercies that are fresh every morning. Thank you, Lord, for a new perspective on things and just a refreshment of our spirits in you. Please guide us as we go through your word today that we may be enlightened, that we may grow in wisdom and in strength of will, trusting in you for all things as we take you into our lives and into every facet of our day, that you would just be with us, that you would be present, because we, we realize, Lord, that we rely on your strength for everything, and without your wisdom, we're lost. Lord, please be the light and the footprints in the sand for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Then David fled from Naoth in Ramah, and came and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity? And what is my sin before your father, that he is seeking my life? He said to him, Far from it, you shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing either great or small without disclosing it to me. So why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Yet David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favor in your sight. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, or he will be grieved. But truly as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, there is hardly a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, Whatever you say, I will do for you. So David said to Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, and I ought to sit down to eat with the king. But let me go, that I may hide myself in the field until the third evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked leave of me to run to Bethlehem, his city, because it is the yearly sacrifice there for the whole family. If he says, It is good, your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, know that he has decided on evil. Therefore deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. But if there is iniquity in me, put me to death yourself. For why then should you bring me to your father? Jonathan said, Far be it from you. For if I should indeed learn that evil has been decided by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you about it? Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? Jonathan said to David, Come, and let us go out into the field. So both of them went out to the field. Then Jonathan said to David, The Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I have sounded out my father about this time tomorrow, or the third day, behold, if there is good feeling toward David, shall I not then send to you and make it known to you? If it please my father to do you harm, May the Lord do so to Jonathan, and more also. 
if I do not make it known to you and send you away, that you may go to safety. And may the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. If I am still alive, will you not show me the loving kindness of the Lord, that I may not die? You shall not cut off your loving kindness from my house forever, not even when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord require it at the hands of David's enemies. Jonathan made David vow again because of his love for him, because he loved him as he loved his own life. Then Jonathan said to him, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed because your seat will be empty. When you have stayed for three days, you shall go down quickly and come to the place where you hid yourself on that eventful day, and you shall remain by the stone Ezel. I will shoot three arrows to the side, as though I shot at a target. And behold, I will send the lad, saying, Go, find the arrows. If I specifically say to the lad, Behold, the arrows are on this side of you, get them, then come out. For there is safety for you, and no harm, as the Lord lives. But if I say to the youth, Behold, the arrows are beyond you. Go, for the Lord has sent you away. As for the agreement of which you and I have spoken, Behold, the Lord is between you and me forever. So David hid in the field, and when the new moon came, the king sat down to eat food. The king sat on his seat, as usual, the seat by the wall. Then Jonathan rose up, and Abner sat down by Saul's side. But David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul did not speak anything that day, for he thought, It is an accident. He is not clean. Surely he is not clean. It came about the next day, the second day of the new moon, that David's place was empty. So Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Why has the son of Jesse not come to the meal, either yesterday or today? Jonathan then answered Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem, for he said, Please let me go, since our family has a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to attend. And now, if I have found favor in your sight, please let me get away, that I may see my brothers. For this reason he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger burned against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you are choosing the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Therefore now send and bring him to me, for he must surely die. But Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him down. 
So Jonathan knew that his father had decided to put David to death. Then Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger, and did not eat food on the second day of the new moon, for he was grieved over David, because his father had dishonored him. Now it came about in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field for the appointment with David, and a little lad was with him. He said to his lad, Run, find now the arrows which I am about to shoot. As the lad was running, he shot an arrow past him. When the lad reached the place of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan called after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond you? And Jonathan called after the lad, Hurry, be quick, do not stay. And Jonathan's lad picked up the arrow and came to his master. But the lad was not aware of anything. Only Jonathan and David knew about the matter. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to his lad and said to him, Go, bring them to the city. When the lad was gone, David rose from the south side and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the more. Jonathan said to David, Go in safety, inasmuch as we have sworn to each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord will be between me and you, and between my descendants and your descendants forever. Then he rose and departed, while Jonathan went into the city. Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech came trembling to meet David, and said to him, Why are you alone, and no one with you? David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has commissioned me with a matter, and has said to me, Let no one know anything about this matter, on which I am sending you, and with which I have commissioned you, and I have directed the young men to a certain place. Now therefore, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread, or whatever can be found. The priest answered David and said, There is no ordinary bread on hand, but there is consecrated bread. If only the young men have kept themselves from women. David answered the priests and said to him, Surely women have been kept from us, as previously, when I set out and the vessels of the young men were holy, Though it was an ordinary journey, how much more then today will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him consecrated bread, for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence, which was removed from before the Lord, in order to put hot bread in its place when it was taken away. Now one of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord and his name was Dog, the Edomite, the chief of Saul's shepherds. David said to Ahimelech, Now is there not a spear or a sword on hand? For I brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's matter was urgent. Then the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine 
whom you killed in the valley of Elah, behold, it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you would take it for yourself, take it, for there is no other except it here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. Then David arose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of this one as they danced, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? David took these words to heart and greatly feared Achish, king of Gath. So he disguised his sanity before them and acted insanely in their hands and scribbled on the doors of the gate and let his saliva run down into his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man behaving as a madman. Why did you bring him to me? Do I lack madmen, that you have brought this one to act the madman in my presence? Shall this one come into my house? So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. Everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented, gathered to him, and he became captain over them. Now there were about four hundred men with him. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother come and stay with you until I know what God will do for me. Then he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. The prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart, and go into the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Pereth. Then Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered. Now Saul was sitting in Gibeah under the tamarisk tree, on the height with his spear in his hand. And all his servants were standing around him. Saul said to his servants who stood around him, Hear now, O Benjamites, will the son of Jesse also give to all of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? For all of you have conspired against me, so that there is no one who discloses to me where, when my son made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is none of you who is sorry for me or discloses to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in ambush as it is this day. Then Dog, the Edomite, who was standing by the servants of Saul, said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. He inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Then the king sent someone 
to summon Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's household. The priests who were at Nob and all of them came to the king. Saul said, Listen now, son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. Saul then said to him, Why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me, in that you have given him bread and a sword, and have inquired of God for him, so that he would rise up against me by lying in ambush as it is this day? Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David, even the king's son-in-law, who is captain over your guard and is honored in your house? Did I just begin to inquire of God for him today? Far be it from me. Do not let the king impute anything to his servant or to any of the household of my father, for your servant knows nothing at all of this whole affair. But the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, and all your father's household. And the king said to the guards who were attending him, Turn around and put the priests of the Lord to death, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew that he was fleeing and did not reveal it to me. But the servants of the king were not willing to put forth their hands to attack the priests of the Lord. Then the king said to the to Dog, You turn around and attack the priests. And Dog the Edomite turned around and attacked the priests. And he killed that day eighty-five men who wore the linen ephod. And he struck Nob, the city of the priests, with the edge of the sword, both men and women, child and infant, also oxen, donkeys, and sheep he struck with the edge of the sword. But one son of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, I knew on that day, when Dog the Edomite was there, that he would surely tell Saul, I have brought about the death of every person in your father's household. Stay with me, do not be afraid, for he who seeks my life seeks your life, for you are safe with me. Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are plundering the threshing floors. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go, and attack the Philistines, and deliver Keilah. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the ranks of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord once more. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, or I will give the Philistines into your hand. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines. And he led away their livestock and struck them with a great slaughter. Thus David delivered the inhabitants of Keilah.
Now it came about when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. When it was told Saul that David had come to Keilah, Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he shut himself in by entering a city with double gates and bars. So Saul summoned all the people for war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. Now David knew that Saul was plotting evil against him. So he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard for certain that Saul is seeking to come to Keilah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down just as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah surrender me and my men into the hands of Saul? And the Lord said, They will surrender you. Then David and his men, about six hundred, arose and departed from Keilah, and they went wherever they could go. When it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, he gave up the pursuit. David stayed in the wilderness in the strongholds, and remained in the hill country in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. Now David became aware that Saul had come out to seek his life, while David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David at Horish, and encouraged him in God. Thus he said to him, Do not be afraid, because the hand of Saul my father will not find you, and you will be king over Israel, and I will be next to you, and Saul my father knows that also. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed at Horesh while Jonathan went to his house. Then Ziphites came up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding with us in the strongholds at Horesh, on the hill of Hachilah, which is on the south of Jeshimon? Now then, O king, come down, according to all the desire of your soul to do so, and our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand. Saul said, May you be blessed of the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. Go now, make more sure, and investigate, and see his place where his haunt is, and who has seen him there, for I am told that he is very cunning. So look, and learn about all the hiding places where he hides himself, and return to me with certainty, and I will go with you. And if he is in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. Then they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the Arabah to the south of Jeshimon. 
When Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David, and he came down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maoth. And when Saul heard it, he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon. Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were surrounding David and his men to seize him. When a messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid on the land. So Saul returned from pursuing David and went to meet the Philistines. Therefore they called that place the Rock of Escape. David went up from there and stayed in the strongholds of En Gedi. Now when Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took three thousand chosen men from all Israel, and went to seek David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. He came to the sheepfolds on the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of this cave. The men of David said to him, Behold, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I am about to give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David arose and cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. It came about afterward that David's conscience bothered him, because he had cut off the edge of Saul's robe. For he said to his men, Far be it from me, because of the Lord, that I should do this to my Lord. He is the Lord's anointed. I shall not stretch out my hand against him, since he is the Lord's anointed. David persuaded his men with these words, and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. And Saul arose, left the cave, and went on his way. Now afterward, David arose and went out of the cave, and called after Saul, saying, My lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the ground and prostrated himself. David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men, saying, Behold, David seeks to harm you? Behold, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord has given you today into my hand in the cave. And some said to kill you, but my eye had pity on you. And I said, I will not stretch my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Now, my father, see, indeed, see the edge of your robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the edge of your robe and did not kill you. Know and perceive that there is no evil or rebellion in my hands, and I have not sinned against you, though you are lying in wait for my life to take it. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients says, Out of the wicked comes forth wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. 
After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog? A single flea? The Lord therefore be judge and decide between you and me. And may he see and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. When David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son, David? Then Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have dealt well with me, while I have dealt wickedly with you. You have declared today that you have done good to me, that the Lord delivered me into your hand, and yet you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safely? May the Lord therefore reward you with good in return for what you have done to me this day. Now behold, I know that you will surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. So now swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me, and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. David swore to Saul, and Saul went to his home, and David and his men went up to the stronghold. So we see David on the run, right? And quite frankly, he doesn't know why. He is a fugitive, and he's being hunted by Saul, but he doesn't know what he did. He just knows that his life is in trouble. He goes to Jonathan, the son of his enemy, and is like, what did I do? And Jonathan's like, I don't know. You didn't, to my knowledge, you didn't do anything. He would have told me. But David's like, I don't know. I think there's something more going on that he's not telling you. So we need to find out what it is. And so they made some sort of elaborate ordeal to show if it the reason why Saul was hunting David at the new moon feast and then the pattern of arrows that he was going to shoot a specific way to communicate to David at a distance, whether or not he was safe or he was not safe. And as we saw, he is far from safe. Saul is just angry, and he is obsessed with hunting down David. And he's just out to get him. We know why, right? He doesn't. We know that Saul is jealous of him and is threatened by him, that he's going to take the kingdom away from him. So Samuel told him that the kingdom was going to be given to somebody who was better than him. And he just found the man who is trying to, to take over his kingdom. So he wants to get rid of him. Jonathan went to the feast, found out that Saul is extremely angry with him, and called even called him a bunch of names and threatened his life, even threw a spear at his own son. So Jonathan knew he is not in a good place. He has lost his mind. So let me tell David and send him on his way. So he sent him on his way in safety, and he went to go hide. So David went to Nob, which apparently, if the bread of the presence was there, then that would have to mean that the temple was there. 
or the tabernacle, rather. So we're not sure why it's here at Nob, but apparently the, the tent of meeting is here. And so Ahimelech was the priest who was at the tabernacle, and he was the one who had the showbread, the bread of the presence, in my version of the Bible. And Ahimelech doesn't know what's going on. And David is starting to compound lies. He's not relying on the Lord completely for this. For one, he ran away, right? Two, they made an elaborate ordeal to figure out why Saul is hunting him. And now three, he's lying to the priest here, saying that he's on an urgent mission from the king. He didn't have enough time to even bring any supplies. So he's asking Ahimelech here for bread. And he says, I don't have any regular bread. I do have the bread that goes in, into the tabernacle. And we can swap them out with some fresh bread if we need to, so that you can eat this. And so this is going to be something that Jesus uses later as an object lesson when he's talking to the Pharisees. You know, because the priest recognized that he had morally obligation to take care of David's life. So what was more important? Sticking to the ritual or saving somebody's life? And Ahimelech saw the better thing, which was to help preserve David's life by giving him bread to eat. And Christ is going to use this in his teaching to show the spirit of the law. Now, again, to counter the Pharisees that follow the letter of the law, they will say that the bread of the presence is holy, it's consecrated, it is not to be eaten by normal people. How dare you do so? It is against the law. You should go to jail. You should be excommunicated, etc., etc. But Jesus teaches them that he did the better thing. And Ahimelech spared David's life by helping him with this bread. And there was no weapons. It's a peaceful, priestly town. So the only weapon they had was the sword of Goliath. And you can imagine how big this thing is. Putting that on your back, it's pretty obvious who you would be. Not only is David known for being ruddy. Ruddy usually means like red hair. He was a red-headed Israelite, which is in that time, was very unusual. So you can imagine this guy who already stands out now with a giant sword that's easily recognizable marching up to Gath, marching up to the territory of his enemy. Remember, Goliath was from Gath, and he fought many Philistines during his time in Israel, and he's just waltzing up to Gath to speak with the king of Gath. You can just imagine all the people are like, isn't this David, the king of the land? They're calling him king of the land already. They're not even thinking about Saul as king because he is so famous. And they even know the song that they're singing about David. So they know who he is easily. But then he goes and does this ridiculous thing where... He pretends to be insane in order to persuade the king of Gath to let him go. 
And I just thought that was very unusual why he chose to do it. He wanted to go and hide in Philistine territory, but not to be killed or pursued by the Philistines themselves. He wanted to show himself as being insane and just to let him go and mind his own business. And so there, Akish is like, why, why are you bringing this guy to me? He's obviously crazy. Don't you think I have enough crazy people? I mean, I just, I liked his sense of humor here where he said that. You see a madman, a man behaving as a madman. Why do you bring him to me? Do I lack madmen? That you have brought this one to act the madman in my presence? You know, <laughs> why are you doing this, guys? Why is he here? I'm the king. Don't bring crazy people to me. Get him out of here. I thought that was funny. So then he goes to the cave of Adullam, and it says that his family came to him. But not only that, but it also says people who were in distress, people who were in debt, people who were discontented. So he had all the rejects of society here, all the dregs of society, if you will. Not the best quality of men. Some of them were, you know, oppressed for justifiable reasons, but the rest of these guys were outcasts or they were on the run from responsibility or they weren't the best quality of men. But they ended up going to Adullam and David had his own little militia. So he was able to take his family to Moab. Remember that he has family in Moab, right? He has some ancestry there. If we recall, Ruth, his great-grandmother, if I'm not mistaken, was from Moab. So he has that familial tie, and they were able to work something out and keep his family safe over there. So then Saul was still hunting David, and he was at Gibeah, surrounded by his fellow Benjamites. And he has obviously lost his mind. He is so paranoid, and he's so afraid of David, that he is blaming everybody around him, that they're all conspiring against him, that they're all in league with David, and that they're hiding where he is, and no one's telling him where he is, and they're betraying his trust. But there's only one guy who speaks up, this vile man named Dog. And he says, oh yeah, I saw him. And you know, as soon as he said that, Saul freaked out. And he summoned all the priests, and especially Ahimelech, and he says, you are conspiring against the king. You are aiding in protecting him from me. Where is he? And Ahimelech's like, I don't even know what's going on. You know, he's, why are you so, why are you after him? He hasn't done anything wrong. He's been faithful to you. He's your son-in-law. He's captain over your guard. He's been honored by everybody. It's not like I've just started to pray for him. I've always been praying for him, and I've always been supporting him as God's anointed. So, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know what, why you're here, King Saul. What has David done? I don't know. So, 
King said, all right, you, you want to play like that? You're all going to die. And they were right. Saul's men were not willing to put forth their hands to attack the priests. And that was the right thing to do. They were attacking the Lord's anointed people, the Levites. Saul didn't care. He, so then he sent somebody who wasn't even an Israelite, this Edomite named Doeg. He sent him, and he killed everyone. And it's a small town. I mean, it says that he killed 85 men. And so he just slaughtered everybody. He purged that city. Except one. One got away and went to David. And you don't see him blaming David for everything. Although, were I him, maybe I would, because of what David says. He says, I knew it. I knew when I saw Dog, he was going to rat me out. And so now, because I didn't do anything to Dog, every person in that village who died, their blood is on my hands. I am so sorry, Abiathar. Stay with me and don't be afraid for... Whoever is seeking my life is seeking your life now. But you're going to be safe. I'll try my best to make amends. So you see all these lies going on with David, but then you see him doing the right thing again in chapter 23. He's inquiring of the Lord. And the Lord is responding, telling him exactly what he needed to hear. Because here Saul thought that he was going to get trapped in a fortified city. And we got him. He's going to trap himself in and we will just go ahead and get rid of him. But David asked the Lord, are they going to surrender me over to Saul? And God's like, yeah, yes they are. You need to get out of there. So they left. So then you see them playing a game of cat and mouse around this mountain, right? And... David's on one side of the mountain, Saul's on the other side of the mountain. Saul's trying to get to David, and David's keeping his distance on the other side of the mountain. And then God uses the Philistines to get David out of this situation by distracting Saul and having Saul go into combat with them. Like That's why they named that place the Rock of Escape, because God allowed David to escape from the conflict. And so when they went to go hide in the caves, Saul needed to go to the bathroom. And he went into a cave, and he the one cave he happened to pick. Now apparently this place, En Gedi, has tons of caves. I have not, I've seen pictures of it, but there's tons of little caves all over the place in this area. So there were, I mean, literally hundreds of little caves. So it could have been any of these caves that Saul could have gone to relieve himself, but it happened to be the one cave where David and his men were hiding in the back of the cave. That happened to be the one he was going to do his business in. And they're like, yes, this is our chance. Get him, David. Get revenge for all the things he's done to us. So David's like, well, I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to at least go over there and cut off the edge of his robe. And David, even with that, David's conscience was bothered by it. 
He's like, I would never touch King Saul. I don't care what he thinks he's done to me. God anointed him as king. So therefore, I can't, I have no power to do this to him. I have much more respect for the Lord and for King Saul because God chose him. So I'm not going to touch him. And David had to persuade his men with that. And then you see David come out and announce himself before King Saul. Show him, look, I could have killed you by now. Look, here's a piece of your robe. I spared you. I don't know what I did to you. I don't know why you're hunting me. But look, I'm not out to get you, King Saul. I did not kill you. If I, I had the perfect opportunity to take your life, and I didn't. Instead, I took pity on you. I'm not here to get you. You are the Lord's anointed. And I will not have your blood on my hands. I love the Lord and his decrees much more than that. I'm nobody, Saul. Why are you coming after me? The Lord judge between you and me if I've done anything to you. And Saul feels genuine pity. Now, unfortunately, that's going to be short-lived, but Saul realizes his error, and he recognizes that what he did was the best honorable thing to do in the sight of the Lord. And he knows. He says it right here. You are going to be king one day. Kingdom of Israel will be in your hand. And I know that because Samuel has also told me that the kingdom is going to be taken away from me. Just promise me that you're going to not destroy my family when you take over. And this isn't the only one that he's made this agreement with. He swore to Saul, but he also swore it to Jonathan, his best friend. Please don't forget my family. Please make a covenant with me that no matter what happens, you'll take care of my family when you become king. And you're going to see later that there will be a chance for David to fulfill that promise, and he will do it. He's a man of his word. And that's beautiful. We should be people of our word. So what can we get out of this today? For one, we should be people of our word. But secondly is we should be trusting in the Lord for these things. We see some really ridiculous things that David did to preserve his life, but God did not anoint those things. Those were not prescribed by God. That was a lack of trust. But things go favorably when we obey the Lord and we trust him in these things. So trust the Lord, even in the minute things of life. Put the Lord first and trust him with what's going on with you. And you'll be surprised when you do that. Remember what he does things for, what it motivates him. Everything he does for our good and for his glory. And so if things are happening to you right now, it's for your good. Either for you to wake up and recognize the Lord and run back to him, or he's trying to teach you something. There's something to learn from the experience. And that we may be aware of what that is, and that the Lord will give us that insight. So that we can learn the lesson and grow in maturity, and be more conformed to the image of Christ. 
So let's let's try to do that as we move forward. And that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.